0: Between aging and busy lifestyles, many women struggle with maintaining their physical and mental
1: wellness. At Aquavita Concierge Healthcare Services for Women, we can help you revitalize your health and reclaim your life. We start from within by balancing your hormones, allowing your body to achieve and maintain desired weight goals. We also specialize in peptide therapies, regenerative medicine, sexual health, and aesthetics in our state-of-the-art facilities. Feel better, look better, live better. At Aquavita, visit aquavitality.com and begin your journey today we yeah.
2: edition of the awesome MMA DFS strategy show for UFC Vegas number 25 course coming up here on Saturday Night Live from the UFC Apex there in Las Vegas hopefully everyone has having a great Thursday night if you're watching us live or if you're watch your list to us after the fact hopefully you've had a good week and of course we are here to help you break down this slate for UFC Vegas number 25 of course we are sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight come up here later on the show we'll tell you about the offer they have for you we use that promo code Osmo awesome Pete great to once again be here on Thursday night talking a little MMA with you we come here after UFC 261 it was a good night for me uh, You know, definitely had, had a nice little profit on the night and I'll tell you last Last week there were some fighters you had having your lineup jeff molina was definitely one of those guys with the volume that he put in there we had uriah hall of course we all know what happened there uh valentina rose uh overall uh what was your kind of take on, on the slate last week and how'd you fare man
1: yeah i absolutely love the uh i love the fight card and it has to go in like my top five it it, it might even be my favorite card of all time because of all the you know, the implications of how we had no fans for the longest time. We, you know, went through the pandemic and then it was like the big return with the fans. And, you know, from the opening bell, you really saw the ladies set the tone for the night. And it was an exciting night of fights. Um, You had a little bit of everything, right? Like you even had injuries mixed in there. Jimmy Crew, poor Chris Weidman. Um, And then you had some incredible performances as well. Thug Rose coming up big. Um, you know, Li Zhang thinking it's an inside leg kick reacting to the inside leg kick, getting head kick KO'd. It was just a fantastic night. Kamar Usman, you know, baptizing Jorge Masvidal, if you will. And uh, it was just a phenomenal night. And, uh, you know, from a DFS aspect, it was kind of interesting because Kamar Usman wasn't even a part of the optimal lineup. And that was a big part of our discussion last week.
2: Yeah, that's the crazy thing. When you look at the optimal lineup in the big DraftKings GPP, you just needed two fighters in title fights, Valentina and Rose, and only three fighters from the main card it ended up being optimal. Uriah Hall was optimal, getting 115 points. Of course, uh, did not land a strike, but getting uh, a, a stoppage win in the first round and under 60 seconds gives him those 115 points, but... uh you know, overall, before we kind of get into the fights here on Saturday night, what what is your thoughts on roster construction? Because this is my general thoughts. In terms of GPP, I believe there are two fights you've got to have maximum exposure to, one of them being the main event, the other one being the light heavyweight matchup between Kutalaba and Jacoby.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I really think that the main event, based on the stylistic uh, matchup i think that it's going to be important to have exposure to that fight in your lineups i really do i think the price point makes it make a ton of sense the way they fight um dom reyes you know having five round experience being priced as an underdog should he be priced as an underdog um, losing back-to-back fights to uh what are now that you know the former champ john jones and then Jan Blahovic so it's pretty crazy And now you think about yuri Prajaka, uh you know basically bursting onto the scene so i'm prioritizing the main event still like i I view the main event as uh kind of like my first spot when i'm filling out my lineup i want to figure out which way i'm going to go about if i'm going to target the underdog um and then besides that i start looking at some other matchups and you know there are some fights on this card that we'll get into that really scream gpp some fights that are sneaky for cash and uh some underdogs that i wouldn't mind sprinkling in here or there
2: yeah, I will tell you, there is one play on FanDuel as a underdog in cash. That does stick out to me. We'll get to that as we do go on. But, of course, the main event, Reyes versus Yuri here. Big matchup in the 205-pound division. Of course, Dom Reyes coming off back-to-back losses. Yuri making a splash in his UFC debut. Salary-wise, great salaries here on DraftKings. $8,300 for Uri, $7,900 for Dom Reyes. Over on FanDuel, $19 for Uri, $18 for Dominic Reyes. Let me first off uh, talk to you about Dom Reyes and the mindset he has going into this one. Lost back-to-back fights, and this was a guy that you know, obviously the John Jones fight, a lot of people felt that he won that fight and that he got robbed of winning the UFC light heavyweight title. And Of course, you know, and they were expected that he was going to go beyond, become the undisputed champion. That does not happen as obviously you've been in, in a similar situation. What do you think the mindset is here for Dom Reyes and how do we correlate it to DFS? Yeah, well, I,
1: I think that Don Reyes, you know, naturally had a ton of confidence. And anytime you see a fighter suffer back-to-back losses, you have to take their confidence into question immediately. You have to see where their minds, you know, where their heads at in, in regards to the matchup. So, and the fashion of how he lost, right? So against Jan Blachowicz, got caught by a big shot, ended up getting finished, right? Now he's in his turnaround fight, facing a guy in Yuri Prahashka, who is a a KO artist. So that can you can have some doubt in your mind, um, especially if, you know, you're, you're really replaying that previous performance. But I will say that Dom Reyes, is like, he has the more UFC experience. Yes. Yuri Prahashka has the more overall MMA experience, but we're talking about the UFC, the elite level, um, you know, of the sport and Dom Reyes looked incredible in the UFC until he did it. And it's almost like a, a case of recency bias. And maybe this is a nice spot where it could be a leverage situation where, you know, the new hot prospect coming in, he, Yuri Prahashka, you know, puts on a good performance against Volkan Ozemir, but let's not forget about early on in that fight that, you know, Yuri Prahashka Pah- was, uh, you know, having to overcome some adversity, having to take some big shots and his defense and just his style alone. I think Dom Reyes does have some confidence in the matchup because he sees holes in Yuri's game. And I think the holes can almost boost his confidence. Whereas, you know, yeah, you lost two back-to-back fights, but it's against two of the best in the UFC. So, I mean, don't hang your head, kid. You know, get out there, do what you do. You're a big guy for the division. You're very talented. I think that uh, he might thrive because of all this doubt surrounding him right now, and uh, I think he spoke about it in the media.
2: You know, when you look at Yuri and this is a guy that had a great run over in Ryzen, you know, one of the things that you'll note when you look at his Wikipedia, you'll notice he's got a win over Vadim Ninkoff back in twenty fifteen, the current Bellator, light heavyweight champion, who uh, there's obviously a big argument going on right now. Is Vadim Nemkov the best light heavyweight in the world, or is it Jan Blachowicz? You look at Yuri, this is a guy that he's a fun fighter to watch. He's going to push the pace. You know, We're we're going to talk about Ian Kutalaba and and chaos, I think is probably a word that we're going to talk about. Ian Kutalaba, I think you can kind of say the same thing for Yuri as well.
1: Yeah, I think that Yuri's game is just, he's so unorthodox and so tricky that he can give problems to a lot of fighters because the punches come from odd angles, the head movement, the footwork, the look away shots. Like uh, anytime you're facing a guy that's so unorthodox and tricky like that, you know, if you're used to sharp lines like in the cage and you're facing a guy, that's a little weird. You can get caught with shots that you don't see coming. You can get, you know, blitz. Next thing you know, you're looking up at the lights cause you just didn't get, you didn't see the shot that put you down. Um, I love both guys. I really do from a DFS perspective. So I will be smashing exposure, but I just don't know, like how does Prohashka handle adversity in the UFC, right? Like he's relatively untested in the UFC. Um, Dom Reyes is more battle tested than UFC. So I will slightly lean towards Dom Reyes as far as, you know, I like the value on him at 7,900. He's a big guy. What happens if Yuri can't get an early finish? How does he look on, you know, you know, in later rounds, um, I will say that you know, Yuri's a fantastic uh, player to put in your lineup at 8,300 as well. Can definitely knock down Dom Reyes and capitalize on a potential chin issue. Um, like I said, prioritize the the main event, but I, I do favor Dom Reyes in the bout. Are, are you the same as me? Or are you uh, leaning more on Yuri's side?
2: I am leaning more Reyes, but I am going to have maximum exposure on both these guys. I will probably be somewhere in the 40% range on both guys in in terms of this one. You know, the one thing, and I know this was a conversation that was happening in our Slack channel this week, is this is one of those weeks when you look at the salaries and the fights that you're going to have maximum exposure to, you may have $1,200 left over. You know, don't feel like you got to spend all of your salary cap this week. This is one of those weeks where you're going to be able to separate yourself, especially if you like some of these, you know, these low plays. And, you, you know, Pete, you talk about this every week. That mid range is where you can really find some savings and find those fighters, you know, especially in that 8,000 to 8,700 range. Find those fighters that range. And to me, this is a perfect week. But yeah, this is one of those fights that uh, I'm definitely going to have a, a lot of, 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 exposure to. Of course, if you ever do miss our show, it is a part of the Awesome Podcast Network. And of course, we you leave a five-star rating and review on any of our podcast channels with your Twitter handle or email address. will be eligible to win a free week of Also awesome Plus Platinum. One winner will be awarded every Friday and reviews will be eligible to win for up to one year. So be sure to check out not this show, but all the other great pro- programming we have here at AwesomeO.com, a part of the Awesomeo podcast network let's move over to the co-mate event and uh pete i just like to call this classic ufc matchmaking the vet who's been around a long time the guy that the ufc is building up and in this case that vet is cub swanson on the other side is your boy Chikaze. Chikaze 8600 on dk 7600 for cub swanson over on DraftKings, and then 18 and 13 respectively over on fanduel if I say to you, what is the percentage chance you believe Cub Swanson will attempt a takedown in the first five minutes? Your answer is,
0: hmm.
1: First, in the first round, I'd say probably about forty percent. I think that uh, he's content on the feet, you know, especially if it's at boxing range. But at kickboxing range, I think that he could struggle in this matchup.
2: In terms of, I think a lot of people are going to be looking at Chikadze in this spot. Talk to me about his path to victory.
1: Yeah, so I think that, I think Chikadze is very, very interesting at 8600. Obviously, he's in that range of the the forgotten fighters where people kind of just play high and low, and we talk about it each week, Um, get different by by targeting the mid-range. And I think you can do that with Giga Chikadze. Obviously, it's a big step up in competition for him. Cub Swanson has seen it all from the WEC to the UFC to facing, you know uh, fighters that would become the champion to having dominant performances against new hot prospects. And the the guy is completely tested. So I do think that Cub Swanson will be one of the most popular underdog plays next to Dom Reyes uh, just because of the potential uh, his resume and the potential of taking Giga Chikadze to the mat. But I will say Giga Chikadze, right. He's a glory kickboxer, phenomenal kickboxer. And I think that how he can win this fight is by keeping it at kicking range, right? Whenever you're facing a kicker, you have to get inside of the kicks. So Cub Swanson is going to need to get in tight, keep it in boxing range because on the outside, you even saw a fighter against Cub Swanson in his previous bout, Uh, Daniel Pineda really butchered his legs with a few leg kicks. Now, yes, Kika Chikaze switches stances, but he likes to be in southpaw a decent amount and, uh, you know, I do think that a liver kicks there. I think a head kicks there. Uh, Cub Swanson is versatile and can mix things up as well. But I just think the trickiness of Giga can, can cause problems to a guy that really relies on his hands, right? Like a lot of people don't realize Cub Swanson has some like underrated judo and, and likes to throw good combinations and then toss you on your head in the scramble. Um, I think that Giga's going to be well-schooled training at King's MMA. And, uh, obviously he's the, the hot prospect on the scene right now. Um, but I feel like a lot of people are hesitant because of his record in his resume. He hasn't fought a fighter at Cub Swanson's caliber at all in the UFC. Um, but I think that this could be a nice breakout performance for him here. I don't know if I prioritize this fight, Jason, because if it's on the feet, and there's no takedowns or there's no knockdowns. Does Do either fighter really break onto the scene as far as the optimal lineup?
2: Yeah, I feel like if you want to go the Cub Swanson route, your hope is that the, it does go the takedown route. But you know, when you look at this DraftKings scoring system, you need and if it's a fight that just plays out on the feed and there's no knockdowns, you just need massive amount of volume. I just don't know if that happens here. And we're talking about, you know, this big step-up in competition, uh for 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 Kachikaze. His UFC opponents, Bran Davis out of the UFC, Jamal Emmer still in the UFC, Erwin Rivera. Not in the UFC, (laughs) sitting in a jail cell. Omar Morales and Jamie Simmons. And Jamie Simmons' only win by stoppage that was in his last fight, which, as I recall, Jamie Simpson stepped up maybe a week two weeks before the fight replaces somebody, as I recall. So it's a massive step up in competition. And for Cub Swanson, you know, this is kind of one of those fights where you sit back and and to me, it's about, Hey guys, I'm still here. I can still be it. And uh, you know kind of the crazy thing. These guys are only separated by five years. You would think it'd be a little more. Some fighters are like
1: that, right? Like, um, you know, Gila was focusing on his kickboxing career for a while. And then, you know, Cub Swanson in the meantime was starting out in MMA, like at a super young age and, you know, got into jujitsu and then ultimately MMA. So uh, the guys, if you go back and you look at his highlight reel, or you look at each one of his fights, it's insane who the names that he's fought over the years. Uh, I mean, like I remember when he got flying knee by Jose Aldo, like that was, that was some time ago, but I, I was really excited for that fight and it ended in the blink of an eye. Um, yeah. Cub Swanson is a phenomenal underdog because of the grappling question. He has that ace up his sleeve. He is pretty good on the ground, Um, but we have seen him get, you know, kind of dominated on the mat as well. Styles make fights, Jason. And uh, I think that whenever you have a kicker going up against a boxer, I like the dexterity, um, of Giga's kicks. I like how he can be tricky. I like how he can keep, you know, Cub on the outside. Obviously if Cub gets on the inside, he will, he'll definitely have success, but Giga doesn't have horrible hands by any means. He's a younger guy. I do favor him here at 8,600, but I, I understand Cub Swanson needs to be a part of your underdog pool for sure.
2: No question. I think when we're talking about those fighters under 8,000 that potentially could cash for Cub Swanson, but I think also maybe a little bit concerned concern of if Cub does win and it's a decision, you know, is that ultimately going to be an optimal score that we see there? Of course, this is the also awesome MMA DFS strategy show right here on the Osmo awesome YouTube channel. Of course, if you're not subscribed to Osmo awesome on YouTube, be sure to do that. we got a lot of great programming for you. Each and every day, so hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell so you know when a new show is live here on the channel. And of course, uh, be sure to give us a thumbs up as that all helps us out a ton. And of course, uh, every day we do have free premium d- uh, data and tools over at Osmo.com. And I'll tell you, today's data has been NBA player rankings, NHL player and stack rankings and the MLB top pitchers as uh, that top pitcher's tool is something I was using today to figure out who to play in my single-entry cash MLB. Actually, no, a a GPP tournament play. I play play cash in NBA, so those are tools I use each and every day, so be sure to check that out over there at awesomo.com. Now, let's move to a matchup that uh, was really a big discussion point in our Slack channel this week, and that is Ian Kutalaba taking on Justin Jacoby. Jacoby took this fight last... uh, Wednesday, Wednesday or Thursday, I think it was officially set. He kind of, he basically, he's essentially had about 10, 10 to 12 days notice on this one, replacing Devin Clark. So a, a much different matchup for Ian Kutalaba mm-hmm. where uh, against Devin Clark, he was going to have to be worrying about the takedowns. And, and since I have interviewed Dustin Jacoby so many times over the years, and when you look at, since he transitioned back into MMA from his run, in glory kickboxing. If you look at all these matchups he's had in MMA, Pete, they all have something very much in common. They've all been guys who wanted to grapple him. I don't think that's the case. And Maxim Grisham, what's people are pointing out that fight. Okay. Maxim Grisham probably had 30 pounds on him. He missed weight first off. And then you just saw it in the cage on fight night. The, these guys are just in two different, you know, they, they were nowhere near each other. Um, you know, the one thing is, this is a total GPP fight, no question about it. But I threw the stat out to you earlier through in our Slack channel. Ian Kutalaba, he has got four wins in the UFC. Those opponents have a combined UFC record of nine and 16 and won no contest. I look, I will have probably 40% Ian Kutalaba. I will probably have 40% Dustin Jacoby. I, I think there are people in our community. That are discrediting discrediting Dustin Jacoby and are putting Ian Kutalaba like he's this top 10 light heavyweight.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, sometimes you like a guy, right? Like, you know, I I could see why people like Ian Kutalaba quite a bit. I mean, he's an exciting guy, he's reckless, he's he he's crazy. He goes in there, he um his pace is really, really fast. Um, he throws big, big power shots. And I think the big performance that sticks out in a lot of people's minds is is the performance against Khalil Roundtree, where, you know, between you, you're thinking about big, big bombs, good takedowns, and I think that's, that's the path to victory here against Dustin Jacoby. Like, if you look at J- Jacoby's body of work in the UFC, you notice that he's a high-level striker because he works behind his jab, throws a lot of leg kicks, which could definitely pose problems for any fighter in there, especially when he's a, a high-caliber striker from glory. He can TKO people via leg kicks, and I would not be surprised at all. Um, But I will say in the Maxim Grishon fight, you did see him get caught with a big shot, wobbled, fell back, maybe slightly off balance, half hurt. Um, But, uh, you know, Maxim Grishon had some moments in that fight. I understand that he was a big guy in there. It's just like I don't really view Maxim Grishon as like some super talented fighter because in the UFC, we haven't seen that, you know, that skill set materialize as opposed on paper because on paper, Maxim Grishon looks phenomenal. But in the UFC, he's been somewhat underwhelming. Um, this is a GPP fight for sure, and I think that this is another fight we need to prioritize for our lineups. In addition to the main event, this is probably going to be my second most exposed fight. Um, yeah, probably around there. And I am leaning towards Ian Kutalaba because of the, the explosiveness, um, you know, the, the path to victory via, via takedowns, potentially you know, control time. What happens if this isn't on the feet? Um, if, if he's able to put him against the cage, I think that he is the more powerful guy and that he can definitely test Dustin Jacoby's MMA game. But with all that being said, I do like Dustin Jacoby from a live betting standpoint, from a come from behind victory standpoint, weathering the early storm, capitalizing on an opponent who maybe just completely gassed out. You need exposure to both sides. I am leaning towards Ian Kutalaba. I understand that you're probably leaning towards Dustin Jacoby, but it's a fight that we need exposure to.
2: You know, the one thing when I spoke to Dustin this week, he talked about Ian is a uh, Kutalaba is a guy that fights with emotion.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: my takeaway from it was he wants to try to take advantage of that. You know, there's there's a the good side of being reckless and there's a the bad side of being reckless. Yeah, And you could easily leave yourself up to I mean, look, if, you, if you're if you a Kutalaba backer, as I mentioned, I'll be a Kutalaba backer in GPPs along with being a Jacoby backer. My concern is, what happens if Kutalaba does not get the first round? Uh, and I love what you mentioned there. If you want to live bet this fight, this fight hits the second round, if, if, if that Jacoby number could be a very juicy number if Kutalaba gets off to a solid start. Because I, I, I really question whether Kutalaba has more than a seven-minute gas tank.
1: I, I have questions regarding both of their gas tanks, right? Like, uh, I think that Kutalaba's is probably worse because of his, his way of fighting, how reckless and how fast he is. He's like a, a round one fighter, um, you know, and whereas Dustin Jacoby, his, his cardio isn't phenomenal by any means. I think it should be better. But I just think the recklessness of, uh, of Kudalaba could lead to a late finish for Jacoby. Um, again, I'm excited for the fight. The fight seems like it's going to be a sloppy one like where we could have tons of points because of who's getting reversed, who's getting taken down, maybe getting knocked down, um, who's maybe even getting finished early. I just think it's going to have points galore.
2: Of course, uh, appreciate there in the super chat, uh, JCW, appreciate you uh, in the super chat that you have in there. Congratulating Pete there. Uh, and uh, Manny, I appreciate you as well for the comment there. As, uh, you know, it's it just look to me that that's a matchup that I think you have to put high priority on when you're talking about your GPP lineups. Of course, we want to get access to the great premium tools and content we have over at awesomeo.com. You got to sign up for an awesomeo plus weekly pass for $29.95, gives you access to all the great premium tools and content we have over there, including our Slack channel where you can talk with the, our community, talk with us. I do office hours on Saturday to get you ready for the afternoon's UFC event, so be sure to check out that. And if you just want to get the MMA portion that we have and also a plus MMA weekly package, get that for only $8.95. Stop guessing, start winning, join O plus today let's move on to the next matchup we got sean strickland take it on christoph jocko and uh sean strickland making it very well brandon allen i'm not interested in rematch bro <laughs> I, i've moved on you know uh that was kind of uh, the the highlight of his meeting with the uh, media this week but uh sean strickland a, a sizable favorite in this one a minus 255 betting favorite 9200 over on DraftKings, 7000 for Jocko. And then over on FanDuel, $22 and $10 for Jocko. The, the FanDuel pricing this week, a lot of guys uh, $20 and above. That's going to kind of make things interesting over on the FanDuel side of the equation. But uh, what's your thoughts on this one, Pete? I'm excited for the fight, right? Like, I really am.
1: I think, uh, you know, I've become a Sean Strickland fan, you know, recently. And, you know, especially watching him over the course of his UFC tenure, you know, coming back from, you know, some, some tough times and and starting to perform at at a high level in the UFC. Again, I really like what I'm seeing from him. And we've always heard great things about Sean Strickland. And I think we're starting to see it now. You saw it in the the Brennan Allen fight. He displayed great striking and a lot of people just view him as a striker, but he has a very, very solid wrestling game as well. More of a defensive wrestling game that can nullify a lot of people within the division. And uh, I know that Christoph Jocko likes to strike. But I think he'll like to strike until he gets hit. And I think he'll start to resort to takedowns. So if you're looking for a cheap guy that will attempt to grapple, I think Jocko will be the guy. I just I'm favoring Sean Strickland quite a bit. He's one of my favorite plays on the slate. I think that he's able to, you know, capitalize on Jocko's mistakes, hit him with some big shots. Um, despite like all the banter back and forth, because Strickland will be talking to him. I you know, it's kind of like the Kevin Holland. Oh man, can you imagine that fight? If uh, Kevin Holland and uh, and Sean Strickland fought, that would be an exciting. They both would be talking the entire time. But uh, I will say that Sean Strickland's the guy. I, I like him quite a bit. I think he's a great spend-up play. Obviously, we're worried only about him getting the finish, right? Like, he can have a dominant performance, and it goes the distance. He doesn't really go for a lot of takedowns, and it's more of an 80-or-so-point performance, which would be a little underwhelming for his price. So um, I'm having exposure to him. But I'm kind of like expecting Jocko to be tough enough to survive. Um, with all that being said, though, Strickland has looked better than ever. So I am targeting Strickland a lot.
2: Looking at the airside with Jocko here, he has won three in a row all by decision. The last time that he won a fight by stoppage, 2016 versus Tandem McCrory. I believe Tandem wow. retired a couple of years ago. Yeah, as I recall here, but uh but at 7000, even if he goes out there and gets the decision win, man, that's going to help out your lineup construction a ton. I'm not saying I I, I like to go that route, but uh if you do want to go that route, man, that's that's a big salary relief for you.
1: Yeah, I mean, if we're we're not looking at like the matchup itself, Kristoff uh, Jocko is 22 and four. He's not a bad fighter at all, and he's coming off three fight win streak. Over Eric Anders, Mark, Mark Andre Barrio, and Alan Amadovsky. So the guy can fight. I just think that this is not a good matchup for him against Sean Strickland. Um, I think that Sean Strickland, who is 22 and 3, can capitalize and put on a good performance in the 19 reach.
2: Now, next up, we got a bantamweight matchup where hopefully by the time we get to Saturday, third time is the charm between Marab Davishvili and Cody Stamen. Marab, a minus 260 betting favorite in this one. Uh, he is 9000 on DraftKings, $7,200 for Cody, and then $23 and $11. respectively. of course, Marab has been a DraftKings stud because of his takedowns, uh, the fact of his opponents have been able to get up takes him down, rinse and repeat. Uh, you know, he's just, he's been a stud, uh, not, not a finisher, uh, a guy that goes out there, uh, and, and gets decision wins, but it's because of the amount of takedowns, his average takedowns per 15 minutes of fighting in the UFC 7.71. Just a unbelievable, uh, note here. I talked to Cody at the end of last week. And one of the things that stuck out to me, what he said to me was, You know, initially they came to him for this third time, for Marab. He wasn't all in on it. He just, he got to the point of like, man, we've gone down this road twice. Do I want to go down a road a third time? Well, if it doesn't happen, but it was his coaches there in Vegas as Cody moved uh, from Michigan to Vegas last year. And they said, no, man, we like this matchup. Also told a story because Marab has been in Vegas. Of course, he's one of the main training partners of, of Aljamain Sterling now for some time. And he had said, he's like, look, Um, he goes, I was about to spar and Rob just walks into the gym and I literally look at my coach. It's like, is anybody going to say anything? <laughs> yeah, that's a little awkward,
1: right? Like, uh, you know, um, yeah, I can't blame, I can't blame Cody for kind of being like, what the heck's going on? Uh, I'm interested in this fight from like a stylistic standpoint, as far as DraftKings, I think that, you know, uh, Marab will be a plug and play for a lot of people because of the box score of his previous performances of how he can get the fights uh, you know, with tons of takedowns and he can work towards a victory. But the problem with that I have with Marab, and it's hard to say that because he look, he's looked pretty damn dominant in the UFC, is the fact that he has no finishes. Um, you know, like In the UFC, decision wins over Terry and Ware, Brad Catona, Casey Kenny, Gustavo Lopez, and John Dodson. Now, that is a great list of opponents. Definitely is. He's been dominant throughout, but... He lacks a finishing skill. And when you lack a finishing skill, you're allowing your opponents to still be competitive in the fight or still able to have a moment of competitiveness. And I do think that this is a tough matchup for him because Cody is a good wrestler. And I know a lot of people are going to think that Cody Stamon's not a strong wrestler because of his performance against, um, because of his performance uh, against, uh, who am I thinking of? Jimmy Rivera. But Jimmy Rivera is phenomenal within the division. And uh, I also, I, I think that sometimes when you have a good breakout performance like he did against Brian Keller, when he had all these, you know, outside, you know, distractions and things and he had to really focus on the fight and that was kind of helping him get through a tough time, that maybe he overlooked Jimmy Rivera a little bit. And I think you mentioned it to me. And I think that we'll, we will see a very composed, um, you know, motivated Cody Stammen in this fight. And what if Marab can't get the fight down on the ground? Who's the better striker? Well, let me tell you, the better striker is Cody Stamen, hands down. He's able to switch stances, mix things together. Yeah, Marab's competitive on the feet, but he's reckless. He makes tons of mistakes. I don't know if a guy like Cody Stamen will put up a good performance as far as DFS-wise on DraftKings. On FanDuel, he could be a gem over there. But I think that, you know, I'm going to, of course, have exposure to Marab, but I think that Cody Stamen is an interesting play and a guy that I'm actually favoring in the matchup because of his wrestling background.
2: I will tell you, Cody Stamen is the fighter I mentioned earlier as a fan duel cash play because of his abilities to potentially stop the takedown. You mentioned about what happens if Marab is unable to get the fight to the ground. So in his last fight, he was 2 of 20. In takedowns. As you recall, John Dodds was optimal over on FanDuel because of all Mm -hmm. this takedown defense he had. So he landed 88 total strikes, 50 significant strikes. He did have three minutes and 44 seconds of control time. That equaled to 74.3 points. At 9,000, that's not going to get you to where you need to be. now, Now, if you're saving a lot of salary, maybe it does. But at 9,000, know, you're know, you looking for triple digits when it comes to the score. Now, when you look at the fights where he has gotten massive amounts of takedowns, so his previous two fights, 13 takedowns against Gustavo Lopez, 12 takedowns against Casey Kenny, In those matchups, he scored 148.3 and 135.6. My point in this is saying is he's got to get the takedowns to, I believe, equal value with what his salary is. To me, this is a fight I want to take more of the underdog in this position than I want to take the favorite just because I think Cody can keep it on his feet, and I agree with you. I believe Cody's a better stand-up fighter.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think like Marab, if you look at his list of fighters, I think Casey Kenney's probably the most impressive win because of what Casey Kenny has done within the COVID era. Um, I will say that Marab against a guy that's going to test you in your grappling, in your wrestling, Um I want to see how he he fares in a situation like that in his relentless pace and uh, he's a machine and hence the nickname. I think that's what is uh, that's what allows him to get takedowns. It's just his chain wrestling and when he's able to chain things together, okay, Cody Stam is probably going to get taken down in this fight. I don't think that he's going to have a, you know, a perfect, you know, takedown defended in this matchup, but I do think that, you know, Cody can get back to his feet better than most and he can punish Morab and maybe get make him get desperate. Um, you know, I agree with you. I think the public's going to be heavy on Marab Dallasville. I will definitely have exposure to it because I'm not silly. I will I can't avoid him. But uh, I think that Cody Stamen's pretty interesting and a, a very nice underdog to target.
2: The over two and a half rounds this matchup is minus three forty-five. If you're gonna play this fight from a betting aspect, I think you either play Marab via decision or Cody Stamen via decision. Stamen via decision is plus 400, P. Ooh, very nice, Jason. Good find. I, th- I want to say Mirab was like plus 125. That, that yeah. to me is if, if you're betting on this fight, those are the prop bets you're looking for.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I mean, Cody Staman hits pretty hard. marab has been very tough. Um, Cody Staman isn't really known for his finishing ability either. I think that he definitely can get a finish in this spot, but uh, it looks like two guys that tend to go the distance.
2: Of course, this show is sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. With Monkey Knife Fight, you are in charge. And sign up for Monkey Knife Fight right now, and use that promo code Awesomeo for instant first match deposit, bonus, first instant first match deposit bonus of up to one hundred dollars. You got to use that promo code Awesomeo. Play their more or less games over there. Uh, the one that I do love to play is Significant Strikes. I will tell you, last week I, I threw a little dart out there. Went for the six for six, hit five of the six. Oh, oh Lee man. Lee was the one that I went more on the significant strikes. I went less on every other person in it. Yeah. Hit, hit, hit five of six. Unfortunately, you got to hit six of six, but uh, be sure to check out monkey knife fight over there. Oh yeah. I, I checked that next morning. I was like,
1: damn. Yeah. The, the parlay heartbreaker right there. It always happens that way. That's why parlays are, some of the trickiest things to do in sports betting or you know, on a platform like monkey knife fight where you're just combining stuff like that. That's pretty cool.
2: Yeah. It was just one of those things. I was like, Hey, let me throw a little dart out of here. Let me see maybe if I can hit that one. But man, it was uh, so close, so close to potentially coming in there. But let's move on to the next matchup. we got a female matchup between Botello and Carolina, 8,900 for Botello, 7,300 for Carolina Twenty-nine and nine, respectively, over on Fanduel. Pete, what is your take on this woman? My
1: take on this fight is that uh, the odds shouldn't be as wide as they are, to be honest. Because I view this fight as a, a low level women's MMA bout. Um, I think that Poliana Patelio, she's had a, you know a couple good performances and one notable liver kick. That really is kind of like her highlight within the UFC. And uh, Luana Carolina, I feel like, is a fighter that everybody's going to just completely and automatically write off. Um, she is pretty tall for the division. Um, but also, more than that, she's she's long. She's rangy. So I'm excited for this bout. I think that, you know, despite uh, Poliana Patel being 5'8", Luana Carolina being 5'6", Carolina has uh, 69 inch reach. So that's a two inch reach advantage. And with her style, her tie style, she likes to strike from the outside. And, uh, I think that the only negative thing that I see there, there are plenty of negative things, but striking wise, keeping her chin up in the air and kind of keeping on that center line is like my only worry here. And I think that a fighter like Poliana Battaglia is probably going to look to implement some takedowns because she is well-versed in jujitsu Jitsu. Luana Carolina, I think is just an interesting underdog, and I am favoring Luana Carolina just slightly in the matchup. If she can keep it on the feet, she has the higher volume. Um, she has she has like a real mean streak. They both seem like mean women as far as like in the cage they they you know hop on their opponents when they're hurt. Good killer instinct. Um, you know, it's just the price of Botelio, right? Like eighty nine hundred. I don't really think Luana Carolina is that bad, and I think that at seventy three hundred she could surprise. But uh, you know, probably going the distance, guys. And if it's going to go the distance, I probably want exposure to the underdog, especially if it's uh, she's able to nullify some takedown. So seventy three hundred Carolina for me.
2: And speaking about that, the strike aspect that you get out of Carolina, six point two nine strikes landed per fifth per minute of fighting. It is 3.0 on the other side of the equation here, and of course, uh, it is coming off where Robertson is. Excuse me, uh, Botello just coming off that loss to Robertson, so we'll see what happens there. Then we got another female matchup. Marcos taking on Penharos. What's your take on this one, Pete?
1: Man, I'm 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 friends with Rana Marcos. Like uh, she's cool. I I, I like Rana Marcos. I think that she is been a staple within the division for a while and, and somewhat of a gatekeeper. But I do th- feel like she's lost a step within the sport for sure. I think that, you know, she, you, you can look at her record. And for the longest time, she was alternating wins and losses. And now is on a three fight losing streak to some of the best in the, the division, right? Amanda Hebas, Mackenzie Dern, okay. And then newcomer Kanako Murata, who is an accomplished and accredited wrestler. So, um, you know, those all scream, matchup nightmares for a fighter like random marcos who tends to in her fights look for a lot of head and arm throws and kind of like getting top position over her her uh, opponents or boxing them from the outside but i feel like as much as i want to pick random marcos in the fight because she's a true ufc veteran from the ultimate fighter now you know in the ufc has fought literally everybody right i'm gonna have exposure to her jason I can't recommend you guys picking her, playing her though, because like, what have we seen lately from her other than getting dominated on the mat or kind of just outclassed in multiple areas? And I do think that Pinheiro here is in an interesting spot. I mean, her boyfriend is a talented fighter within the UFC, but that doesn't mean anything. But I don't understand that she is well-schooled. She's uh, very strong in the judo department, in the jujitsu department as well. I think that she's going to head and arm throw Rana Marcos. And when Randa tries to throw her or get top position, she can get reversed. So as much as I want to pick Randa Marcos straight up, I can't do it. Um, I'll have exposure to her, but I think that Pinero is to play at 8,500.
2: I feel like this is one of those classic UFC matchups where you've got one fire potentially – uh, that they, they're ready to get rid of and, and let's uh, throw against a young prospect to try to elevate them and, and I agree with you to me Pinheiro is is the route that I would want to go in this matchup of course uh, one of the things we like to do here at Osimo is congratulate the people that we see win big contests a part of the Awesomeo Hall of Fame that when they're rocking that Awesomeo avatar of course you can download that Awesomeo avatar at Osimo.com slash avatar place in the top 3 in any contest of over 5,000 entries. Tweet your wins to the at Osmo HOF account and you win a free month of Osmo Plus Platinum. You can see it on the screen about some of the people that have just entered the Osmo Hall of Fame. Don Juan $2,000 NBA Pick roll, Christopher Parcello hitting the 75 MLB sacrifice winner. Tommy Nation winning 15,000 total. Also, Tank Forever winning over on NASCAR. And congrats to our buddy here, Pete the Heat, taking down a showdown contest going into the awesome HOF yesterday. Congrats, Pete, taking the showdown there at NBA. Thank you.
1: Thank you. So I get a free month of awesome. Do I not?
2: (laughs) Yeah, you do. Well, yeah, you do.
1: (laughs) Okay, cool, cool,
2: cool. Awesome, man. Yeah, you, uh, you sent me the screenshot here a little earlier. So, uh, you're going into the awesome hall of fame. You know, I've got, I've got to get there. I, uh, I finished 18th in the haymaker last, uh, last week. So I didn't quite get into the top three, but yeah, it was, uh, you 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 did it there. It just shows you know more than just MMA. Yeah, that is right,
1: my man. That is right. I'm not just an MMA guy.
2: Yeah. Uh, by the way, I'm doing well over NASCAR. People are not listening to what Phil says on Saturdays. You need to be like me and just sit there and listen to what Phil says, and then figure out what my cash line up the next day. I've been killing it over NASCAR.
1: I know. You yeah. keep sending me these screenshots, man. I gotta. You don't want me, yeah, You don't want me playing NASCAR because if you roster the same driver as me they're toast immediately. So I'll stay in my lane. Okay. Away from NASCAR. You can definitely kill it over there, but uh, yeah, can't do that.
2: Oh, I was sweating out the last two laps, sweating it out as they're going into overtime. And I'm like, oh, here comes the Rex. Here yeah. comes the Rex. I'm like, just please delay my guys be the wreck. And uh, but yeah, man, you got to be listening to Phil because he is offering some great advice over there. So be sure to check us out there on Saturdays, 1 p.m. Eastern time for the Osmo NASCAR strategy show. Let's move on next to the next matchup. We got Gabriel Benitez. Versus Jonathan Pierce. And Jonathan Pierce is definitely one of those underdogs. Mm. A lot of people are looking at right now.
1: Yeah, man, I, I definitely want to consider Jonathan Pierce for sure because I think that at his price and his style, he's a grappler. So we always talk about find the grapplers on the card that can potentially pull some upsets And Jonathan Pierce is definitely one of the guys. And if you look at the stats of Gabriel Benitez, you will see that you know his takedown defense isn't the best, but there's a couple big fights that really skew those stats, of course. Um, But I do think that Gabriel Benitez being at a strong camp.
0: Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more.
1: Does mean a lot. And, uh, you know, being a part of AK, I think that, you know, I just like his record 31 fights, uh, 14 fights for Jonathan Pierce. If you look at the strength of schedule, I'm not sold on Pierce as much, as good as he has looked in some of his wins in the UFC. He takes a ton of damage. I know that left kick that left knee is so mean from Gabriel Benitez. I think that Gabriel Benitez is, uh, you know, at that 8,800 range, I really like him uh, to potentially punish Pierce, get a finish. But as far as an underdog, you need to have exposure to Pierce um, because of the the grappling upset. So, uh, you know, prioritize having Benitez in your lineups, but definitely consider Pierce a part of your underdog pool.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that people are going to look at when it comes to JSP in this one, it's just not, kind of the stats that are out there. 8.80 strike slam per minute, 5.91 91 takedowns average per 15 minutes of fighting. Those are trains out of the lab, originally from Tennessee, went out there. Uh, kind of Scott Holtzman's really the, the glue to what got him out to Arizona. So uh, I, I will definitely be sprinkling in some Jonathan Pierce. There's a lot of fighters this week. It doesn't always happen this week where I look at that under 8,000, man. There is some guys that I'm really looking for, and JSP is one of them. This entire card, Jason,
1: I don't want to say it's an ugly card, but it's a card of who the heck can you trust? Because in every single matchup, there's somebody that you sit and you like, I don't know if I could trust him, but he has potential. Jonathan Pierce kind of fits that bill, but uh, I, I favor Gabriel Benitez in the matchup.
2: Yeah, I would tell you just uh, as I, I we're going to get to our straight up picks here at the end of the show got some dogs i've got oh, some boy. dogs to okay. go for you with here so we'll, we'll we'll talk about that another matchup that i think you, you definitely have to be looking at when we're talking gpp is kai kamaka the third and tj brown tj brown now training at, at glory mma fitness under james Crow. so be interesting to see what kind of differences we see out of him uh kai kamaka training out of extreme couture uh you know ex, you know hawaii Hawaii East is Las Vegas and that is where Kaikamaka trains there at extreme couture. Uh, this is one of those matches that I just feel like we got to, we got to have a decent amount of exposure on.
1: Yeah. So this is like one of the fights I will be, be prioritizing for sure. Um, we talked about the main event. We talked about the Kudalaba fight and this Kaikamaka TJ Brown fight kind of screams GPP to me. Uh, TJ Brown clearly has a grappling and wrestling advantage over Kai Kamaka. And that was on display when in Kai Kamaka's previous performance against Jonathan Pierce, right? Uh, Kai Kamaka looked phenomenal in his debut and uh, outside of tapering off in the third round, he looked phenomenal and then fought Jonathan Pierce and got absolutely destroyed on the the ground uh, when he was taken down. And uh, before that, Jonathan Pierce looked terrible in his debut against Joe Lozon. So it's literally a circle, of just, uh, you know, not being able to rely on people and just inconsistency throughout. I do think that, you know, the training camps do mean something. Kai Kamaka being in Vegas means a lot. I love, I love that camp. They're a strong camp all throughout the, the COVID era. And even now, um, TJ Brown working with James Krause. How can you deny anybody working with James Krause right now? I think that there's a clear path to grappling victory. <sighs> Split your exposure here, but I will favor the grappler and TJ Brown.
2: I like Kai Kamaka. I'm. I'm, I'm Ka- go I i do not hate it. Away.
1: I don't hate um, it. And initially, I was a Kai Kamaka guy, and I start just kind of looking at the film, and you know, the 22 fights of TJ Brown and Kai Kamaka's inability to get finishes. I I do favor TJ Brown.
2: The one thing that does concern me about Kai Kamaka is the low finish rate. There, there's yeah. no question. There's it's no kinda question odd. about that. So odd. I don't know with, with how he throws, you just would think it'd be higher. Yeah. Uh, than what it is uh next up we've got luma look versus sam hughes sam hughes a three to one betting underdog in this one
1: yeah you know what i mean loma might be my most confident fighter on the card i'm not even kidding like i i, I like loma i don't know if i like her from a dfs aspect but as far as like being prepared for an mma bow i know well, it's been rough over in Thailand, so I kind of retract that statement as far as COVID. Um, but from a skill set standpoint, Loma has shown me a lot in the cage. We haven't seen anything from Sam. He was in her debut; she did not look good. Uh, you know that Loma should come in well prepared. As long as they were able to kind of, you know, weave in and out of the uh, the obstacles from the COVID situation over in Thailand. But uh, I think that Loma is clearly the A side. Outside of Sam Hughes taking her down and working towards a submission finish, it's uh, Loma's the A side for sure, and I have to side with Loma.
2: Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Uh, then we got uh, Mikulaitis versus KB Bilar. Uh, the the one kind of st- storyline to me with this one is actually going to be tomorrow at the weigh-ins. Mikulaitis now back at 185 pounds; that they're fighting uh, at, at 205 pounds. So I want to see what he looks like on the scale on Friday in terms of going back there. KB, a uh, Canadian fighter, uh, did not have a good UFC debut.
1: No. Um, this is a fight where I will have exposure to both fighters uh, because of the unknown surrounding KB Buller, right? Like you saw him get hit with a jab from Tom Breeze and kind of sat on his stool and, and then ended up getting finished. And uh, Andreas Mikulidis clearly had one of the, the strangest stoppages in the UFC of getting hit mm-hmm. questionably in the back of the head. Uh, the round ending, he goes over to roll over and whether he was hurt or, you know, somewhat fell through the cage door, you know, that's, you guys can argue about that. I don't, I'm not sure, but I will say that up until that point against modestus Bukowskis, I mean, he didn't really look amazing. He resorts uh, and relies on a lot of leg kicks, which uh, if he's throwing naked leg kicks, he can end up getting cracked down the middle. A guy with KB Buller's dexterity in his legs and his trickiness of his style. Definitely I, he has my attention and I will include him in some lineups for the simple, you know, perspective of getting different. It can't roster every 9,000 fighter out there. Um, I don't th- I think Mikhailidis might be one of my least favorite 9,000 fighters out there because yes, he is a, a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but I don't really foresee him going to that well, or if he does, I don't know how much success he will have. Um, KB Buller is very, very interesting though, because nobody's going to be relying on him.
2: Yeah, plus 200 betting favorite or betting underdog for KB on the other side, minus 240 for Michelaitus. Of course, when you want to get the what the odds are, you gotta check out oddshop or oddshopper.osmo.com because one of the biggest edges in sports betting is always shopping to find the best line, and we have compiled the best lines that are out there. So, we want to sign up for Odd Shopper. So, if there's a certain price you're looking for, you can sign up so you know when that price does hit it, what sports book it does hit it at. Of course, you got player props over there as well, so be sure to check out Odd Shopper, Now, our first fight of the night will be Luke Sanders versus Felipe Corrales. want to mention this question from Twitter, from Hunter Man, saying, how uncomfortable are mm-hmm. we in having to pick a side in the first fight with guys as untrustworthy as what we are working with?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, Jason's probably not touching this fight with a 10-foot pole uh, because that's just his game. That's his style. Um, There are some fights where he'll break the rule, but I feel like he's not breaking the rule this week because there's no way that you can have confidence in Luke Sanders or Felipe Calares here. Now, Luke Sanders, in some performances, he looks really, really good, like really strong, uh, good striking. And then he has like like a tiny moment of a mental lapse. And he either gets capitalized, you know, via striking or via grappling. Um, I want to know how he's going to look in this matchup. Um, But against Felipe Calaris, I do like Luke Sanders still. Uh, I hate saying it, but I do like Luke Sanders. Uh, Felipe Calaris, outside of being really, really tough, is kind of like middle of the pack everywhere, Um, has been controlled on the ground, taken down a lot, can get takedowns. I think uh, working towards a submission is a sneaky path to victory for him, but uh, man, Luke Sanders 8700 definitely a fighter. I will have exposure to. Um, I don't feel comfortable about saying that.
2: Way more interested in Luke Sanders on Fanduel than I am DraftKings at fifteen dollars on draft on Fanduel. Yeah, I, I mean the, the 8700 price tag. I mean that's just that's a big price tag for a guy that you don't exactly have a ton of faith in. No,
1: I, I feel like. He could, I mean, the UFC re-signed him, did they not? So clearly they see something that we don't. Um, I think that Luke Sanders should be able to go out there and put on a good performance. He hits hard. It's just I don't know if he can really finish a guy that's been extremely tough. And, you know, in the fight against Montel Jackson, Felipe Claras, despite getting completely dominated, he wasn't able to put him away. So uh, the guy literally is a, a punching bag chasing you around somewhat sometimes taking you down. So uh, maybe fading the first fight is a smart way.
2: By the way, when this line opened, Sanders was a minus 205 betting favorite. Now, at minus 140, of course, if you do have any last minute questions, be sure to get those in now. And of course, uh, subscribe to us right here on us on YouTube, the Oswald awesome YouTube channel. If you're not subscribed, Hey, look, if you don't like it, you can always unsubscribe. It's that simple. Of course, hit that notification bell. So, you know, a new show is live on the channel. Myself and Pete will be back on Saturday for a live before lock at 4 PM Eastern time. Before we get into any remaining listener questions, let's talk, go through our straight up fight picks. Let's start right at the top. I'm gonna go Dom Reyes. Yeah, not DFS
1: related. I'm going Dom, Dom Reyes.
2: Uh next up, uh the co main event. Gimme the underdog and Cub Swanson.
1: Yeah, Giga Chikaze for me.
2: Kutilaba, Dust Jacoby. Give me Dustin Jacoby. Kutalaba. Sean Strickland, Christoph Jocko. I will go Sean Strickland. Strickland for me. Davish Vili and Cody Staman. Where are you going? Going Stamen. I'm going Stamen as well. Uh, Botello and Carolina. Carolina for me. I will go Botello in that one. Marcos and Pinheiro.
1: I want to pick Marcos. I'm going Pinheiro.
2: I will agree with you there as well. Uh, Benitez versus Pierce. Benitez. I will go JSP. Oh, you did it. Oh, boy. Kamaka versus Brown. I'm going Brown. I will go Kamaka, man. We got a lot of different things <laughs> here. I'm sure straight it's up. Bad. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think we'll both agree. Luke Boomy is who we're both going to go there. Yeah. Uh, Mikalaitis and Balar. Mikalaitis for me. I will agree with you. And then give me Luke Sanders in the opening fight. Luke Sanders as well. So uh, let me just uh, kind of pull up some questions over here that we did not get to as the show went on. Um. Let's see here. Will Kutilaba wrestle? Yeah, I think, he, I think he needs to because if he stands
1: on the outside with Jacoby, he's going to get leg kick, pieced apart from straight shots. He needs to wrestle for
2: sure. Uh, someone's saying "Uh, and Jacoby sounds like a slob rocker. It very well could be. It very I, well could turn into that. Um, one of the interesting things when I talked to um, Jacoby, I said, I go, hey, on Friday when you guys uh, face off, He's a guy who likes to get emotional. He's like, yeah, I've really never had to deal with that too much. So that'll be interesting to kind of see how how that goes off there. Jacoby's Um, voice does not
1: match his body either. I have to say that.
2: Really? I've never done
1: it that way. No, it does not at all.
2: Um, Does Kai Kamaka have bad cardio? Uh,
1: Tough to say because he was finishing his previous bout and his UFC debut, he had cardio for... About one and a half two rounds and then the third he tapered off but he was still there i think that he can get really really gassed in a in a wrestling you know matchup against like a guy like tj brown so i will say yeah i I think that he has a lot of muscle and probably not the best cardio uh
2: clement mentioned on um over on slack about short nose fights kind of mentioned that who's going to take down city i think tj
1: brown's going to look to take his opponent down to take down city outside of that right um Kutalaba might take your boy down to take down city. We'll see. He needs to, if he's, if he stands up, he's going to get knocked out.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I, to me, that matchup is just, I think that it's, if we see the rec, the, the, the recklessness that we've seen out of Kutalaba, I do wonder just the more technical standing fighter can take advantage of that. But I mean, look, it's, I think Jacoby knows. And based on my conversation with him, my takeaway was he understands he's going to have to weather a storm. Yeah,
1: yeah. They're, they're both really talented.
2: Yeah, that storm is coming. The storm is coming on Saturday. Of course, we will be here on Saturday for Live Before Lock. Of course, do want to thank our sponsor, Monkey 95 Fight. Be sure to use that promo code, Osmo when you sign up for instant first match deposit, up to $100. So that is going to do it for this edition of the Also MMA DFS Strategy Show. We will see you on Saturday for Live Before luck. Good night, everyone.